Welcome, everybody, to This Podcast Has Autism. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, my name's Marcy. I'm here with my husband, Bran. Today, we're going to be talking about um, the role of a school nurse. Some healthcare concerns have been found to commonly to be commonly associated with autism spectrum disorders. Identification and treatment of these medical issues can improve the functioning of the child with ASD. There are practical suggestions for the school nurse. As a frontline medical professional in the schools, the school nurse is positioned to provide guidance on implementing interventions for the student with ASD. By being knowledgeable about current research and treatment options for the various associated medical conditions, the school nurse can help the student achieve academic success in the school setting. Nurses not only need to be up-to-date information about ASD, but also information about how to intervene with the maximum efficacy in a limited amount of time. Nurses are critical in the development of programs for individuals with ASD by providing early identification and guidance for health issues in the community. So we just want to repeat that it's important for school nurses to have um, first responder type training with children with ASD. So with that, let's on, move on to the interview. Hey, everybody. Today we're with Sullivan Swift, and I'm going to turn the time over to her to introduce herself. Hi. Um, thanks for having me. I'm Sullivan. Uh, I'm 26, and I'm a yoga teacher. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, at what age were you diagnosed with autism? diagnosed like days before I turned uh, 25 um, and about a month before I was actually diagnosed I had started to suspect that maybe it was autism that um, instead of like anxiety and depression or, or whatever else I'd been diagnosed with before and what what was life like before you got diagnosed uh, it was it was harder um, I didn't understand myself as well I didn't understand why I couldn't just like fit in and do what was expected I could kind of tell what was expected of me but like somewhere between the understanding of the expectation and actually fulfilling the expectation there was a disconnect um, and I, I felt pretty alone before uh, my diagnosis does life make more sense now that you've oh been diagnosed <laughs> yeah so much more sense I've had so many oh that's why I do that moments or just moments of understanding um, especially things from like my childhood um, sensory processing challenges have like made a lot of sense of odd behaviors that I did when I was a kid and, and even now yeah I just recently got diagnosed myself and nice. it's like a light comes on and it's like wow that's why I did this and that's why I did that <laughs> right I just understand so many more things I understand like my triggers for frustrations and meltdowns and shutdowns I better understand how to take care of myself I like feel more human now if that makes <laughs> sense yeah no I get you um, so why did you leave your master's program after you got diagnosed and what were you studying uh, okay so I was studying uh, data and information science at UC Berkeley um, and I left about uh, nine months to a year after I got my diagnosis, but I was in this program 
and I left for a lot of other reasons too, but I was in this program mostly because of the work I was doing at the time. I was a market researcher and my company wanted to move in a more data science direction, but they didn't have anybody. And I was interested. I love, I love programming. I love data analysis, but I didn't really want to go back to school to get a master's. Um, and I felt pretty pressured into it by my work and, you know, friends and family. Um, but after I was diagnosed, I started to understand better what I needed from like my work life and what a good balance was going to look like for me. Um, and basically it, it kind of just boiled down to that the culture around data science right now is it's, it's a lot of pressure and it's a lot of work and I am not dedicated enough to it. <laughs> It's not like that much of an interest for me that and, and working 40 or more hours a week uh, at like a job and having to deal with the social aspects of being in an office and all of that. It just kind of like came together that maybe this isn't the best use of my energy. Maybe this isn't how I want to be spending my time. And I was, I was pretty tired and pretty unhappy. I was missing social events that really mattered to me. Um, and just like, like I, Oh, I have this, this one that I feel terrible about, but I missed one of my friends, like master's present master's thesis presentations. And I had two opportunities to go. And both times I texted her the morning of confirmed the time and where I needed to be and all of that. And then like after work, I just autopiloted home and didn't realize until hours later that I had missed this, <laughs> this event. Um, and that was just like one of the tip offs that I needed to make a change and, and leaving the master's program just because like the, I wasn't going to use it. I wasn't going to get a job in, in that field and do that. So it seemed better to, to leave and save that money and put it towards something I was more interested in and passionate about. How did you get your job in yoga? Uh, well, after I left my program, I joined a teacher. I also moved across the country. <laughs> um, and then I, I found a teacher training in Southern California in the Fullerton area. Um, and from there, um, I, I started going to studios in my area, started trying to like find a community, find a studio that I really liked. And, um, and I have, I, I was able to find a studio really close to where I live that um, I work at now. Um, and I'm, I'm looking for others to kind of work at too, but uh, it's a slow process. Do you have any special interests or hobbies? Oh, yeah. I mean, yoga is definitely one of them. I've been uh, doing yoga since I was about 10 years old. My mom signed me up for a class, kind of looking for a way to help with the anxiety and uh, depression I had from such a young age. Um, but, yeah, yoga, crafting is another one. I, I love to knit, crochet, macrame, scrapbook just kind of like all kinds of things there and I play video games and I am still very interested in data analysis and programming I I have like seven years of Fitbit data of my own that I'm like working through visualizing which is actually super fun <laughs> uh, what's it like being autistic in a yoga instructor it's it's really pretty cool um, I was kind of concerned at first because it doesn't seem like something that would like fit very well with me because I struggle socially I just like being the center of attention uh, but like it is for a yoga class it's a whole 
hour or more dedicated to one of my special interests. I basically get an hour to monologue uh, to people who are interested and want to um, want to be practicing what I'm teaching. And it's it's really cool. I get to rehearse my classes as much as I want. I get to work on, I get to think about all the possible modifications or variations I can use depending on how the class responds. We're in like another situation by rehearsing and like thinking of all the different ways a direction or directions um, a situation could go can be like problematic and detrimental. Uh, in a class, like all of the things that I'm imagining are very reasonable. You know, like what if someone can't do this pose? How do we modify? What kind of props can we use? Uh, and I can rehearse for those, which is which is great. Um, and like the uh, the time surrounding class two is also pretty structured. Uh, the conversations usually typically centered around like yoga and the students and um, what their expectations are, what their bodies can do, how they're feeling, and there isn't a whole lot of eye contact involved either because I'm expected to be observing people's bodies and how they're moving, which is pretty cool. Um, and I've also found like the yoga communities that I've become part of to be insanely accepting. I haven't gotten really any, I, I mean, teachers like respect my boundaries. I don't like being touched at classes and people seem like really interested in my autism. I'm very open about it. And uh, they ask like really thoughtful questions and seem really interested in my answers and my perspectives. Do you like having autism? That's a tough question because I've never not had autism. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, I don't, I don't know, but I've always struggled to like myself, and I think that's been like based on feedback from a society that doesn't really like different as much as they say they encourage it. And uh, now that I'm unlearning a lot of that shame, I definitely like myself better, and I, yeah, I guess I like being autistic. I like it so much more now that I know than when I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you stick to routines? Kind of. Um, when I was working full-time, I mean, I need to stick to a routine in order to remember to do things like shower and eat. Um, otherwise, those activities become really irregular. Uh, and when I was working full-time, I had a routine that I loved, but it wasn't great for me. I, I get really nauseous when I wake up early, and I was waking up at 6 a.m., um, anyway, I, I do have routines. I, now that my employment's like irregular, I don't have like a set daily routine anymore. Um, I travel a lot and my weeks change from week to week, uh, like private sessions are different or I might be subbing for a class and everything's a lot more variable, but I, I make up for that by having like little routine blocks. So I've got a lot of routines for a bunch of different events that I can enact at like any time. Um, I also make sure to have like um, little things I can bring with me when I'm going somewhere. Like I, I keep some, some crystals in my in my pockets that I can rub. I like to bring my headphones around with me. Um, so even though like not having a daily routine makes things a little more chaotic, I'm I'm not doing so bad with the flexibility. Uh, yeah, and I'm having like many fewer. Uh, meltdowns and shutdowns than when I was working full-time on like a set daily routine. Do you get any kind of support? I have a lot of uh, support from my friends and family, but I don't get support from the state or, or any uh, companies or anything like that. Um, I, I mean, by the time I found out about my, uh, by the time I got my diagnosis, I'd aged out of a lot of like the state programs and stuff that hospitals offer. 
but my, my partner is my biggest support. He reminds me to eat when I'm like kind of being out of it. He does the chores I can't stand. And I do the ones he doesn't like so much too, which actually works out super well. Uh, but he goes out of his way to take me places, especially when I haven't been there before or, or if I have, he likes to accompany me to the things that make me anxious. <laughs> do you find it difficult to make friendships and relationships? advice for other autistics yeah just like keep doing you it is so hard to be different but you do find ways to cope you find your people and it takes time and there will be failure but life's just like one big learning experience and we're never going to be perfect at it and each opportunity we take to try something is is practice just to like get better at life and just so it's just like do your best and know that you're doing your best uh and embrace all of the ways that all of the things that make you happy because that's unique to you and, and you deserve that happiness that's great advice um where can people find you online yeah you can find me on my website sullivanswift.com or my instagram at swift period yoga and is there anything else you'd like to add before we close? Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, no problem. That's it for this episode. Until next time.